back to the Homestyle MMA podcast. Sean Van Buren here for episode 23. Shout out to all the listeners or homies checking this out right now. I appreciate all of you. Today we're talking about the upcoming pay-per-view, UFC 280, Oliveira versus Makachev. Before we dive into that, it's time for the rapid recap of last Saturday, UFC Fight Night, Grasso versus Araujo. Let's go. Excellent night of fights, a lot of finishes, a lot of closely contested fights, but all around a perfectly predicted night for the podcast. Listen to last week's episode and you will notice that I had one of my best nights predicting how the fights would go, including a perfect night with our bets. But we'll touch on that shortly. Let's begin with the rapid recap. That started us off with Mike Jackson versus Pete Rodriguez. This fight, guys, it went literally exactly like I told you it would. Ended in the first round, ended with Pete Rodriguez knocking out Mike Jackson. I should have bet the house on this because I told you exactly how it would end on last week's episode, and it was truly the only possible outcome in this one. Pete ripped a right hook body shot that dropped Mike early, and then just kept the pressure and kept laying into him. Overwhelmed Jackson completely, like I told you Pete would, and then he landed a clean knee to the face. That put Mike Jackson to sleep. Easy money. Tatsuro Tyra versus CJ Vergara. Tyra used all of his MMA skills early in this one, which was a key to victory for me, just like I told you last week. He lifted Vergara up and got a takedown slam early in round two after exchanging with some strikes on the feet. I told you in last week's episode that Tyra would win if he could effectively wrestle, and Vergara would win if he could effectively shut and stuff down takedowns. Tyra did very well on the ground in this fight. He did get in danger once late in round one when CJ Vergara got a reversal into an arm triangle, but he defended it well, and I think he did show that he is a complete MMA fighter. He eventually got the finish with an armbar on the ground to cap off his proficient striking, exceptional wrestling, and tactical jiu-jitsu performance. Piero Rodriguez versus Sam Hughes. This was a very even fight on the feet. Last week I said that I thought there would be a lot of wrestling, but we really didn't see a ton from that martial art like I predicted. They would get an occasional takedown, but neither woman could keep the other one down. It was a very even fight, great matchmaking. Last week I gave the slight advantage to Pierre Rodriguez and that I thought it would go the distance. Both things proved to be true. Joe Anderson Brito versus Lucas Alexander. Brito came out extremely aggressive. He chased Alexander around the cage. At one point, he lifted and slammed Alexander to the ground. He was using these takedown slams to try to get the back and battle for rear naked chokes. He ended up on the back like a backpack to Alexander, so he was successful with that strategy. Kept working nonstop and eventually locked in the rear naked choke, which took Alexander to the mat where he quickly tapped. Very efficient, very fast win yet again for Joe Anderson Brito. I mentioned last week that I thought Brito would be too much for Alexander to handle on short notice and that his wrestling would help him find a finish. So far through the first four fights, I had predicted everything perfectly. Nick Maximov versus Jacob Malkoon. Maximov earned a spot in the UFC as a heavyweight, but he is now fighting down at middleweight two weight classes lower. He looked really big in there on Saturday. As I told you on last week's episode, this fight was going to have a lot of grappling and Jacob Malkoon was actually the one who pushed for the wrestling first in this fight. Maximov seemed to want to strike a little bit more early on, and he looked like he was hurt maybe midway through round one. He kept visibly grimacing. You could see it on his face for the whole fight. There was something that was bothering him, and I think we kind of determined while we were watching it live that it appeared to be a right leg injury. Malkoon really started letting the hands go, once Maximov started to slow down, and Jacob Malkoon really poured on the pressure starting in round two with wrestling and on the feet. We didn't take the bet, but I told you to check out over one and a half rounds last week, and hopefully you did take it. Malkoon got the easy decision victory here, and it was a wrestling-heavy fight. Mana Martinez versus Brandon Davis. As I said last week, I thought that this was one of the closest fights to predict, so we didn't bet it. These were very even fighters, but the fight started off kind of odd. There was an early groin kick, an early eye poke from each guy. fight just kind of felt weird. And the fight itself was a pretty good fight otherwise. It just took them a little bit to get going, get into their flow, and get some momentum. 
Mono Martinez was just a bit sharper on the feet with his striking, and he created higher output. At the end of the second round, Mono Martinez landed a spinning back fist that dropped Brandon Davis, but he did survive to the bell. I said last week that I was leaning Mono Martinez, and he did get the decision win. We perfectly predicted the prelims last Saturday. Man, I was feeling good. This was a weekend that we desperately needed on this podcast, so hopefully you took every bet that I told you you should take, including the ones that I told you, hey, this is the direction I like, but I don't love it, so I was going to let it go. Hopefully you liked it, hopefully you loved it, and you went ahead and took every bet. That led us to the main card, Alonzo Menafield versus Misha Serkinov. This fight was as advertised. I told you that there was no chance, 0% chance, that this fight went to the judges, and we saw that right away in this fight. Menafield's wrestling defense was very good, and then Menafield found the power shot. He landed a huge left hook, followed it up with a right hook to get the knockout victory. If Menafield can continue to stuff takedowns and force people to stand and strike with him, then he's going to be a huge problem for the division because he has an incredible power in his hands. Rafael Asensio versus Victor Henry was moved to the main card from the prelims. This is another very exciting fight because these fighters were fast, smart, powerful, very precise with their shots, with their punches, with their kicks. I thought Victor Henry would push the pace much more in this fight, but clearly Rafael Asensio, he must still carry a lot of power, even late in his career and late in the fight, because... Victor Henry was never able to really pour it on him from a cardio standpoint, so Sunset must have been throwing back some serious power. Each fighter had really good movement in this fight, and they would take control in different moments. Sunset looked better through two rounds and had some groundwork late in round two as well. Victor Henry really just needs to work on stopping takedowns just a little bit because that was the difference in this fight. I thought Henry would use his pace to wear down a Sunset, but really. With Rafael Asensio getting the decision win, he looked like the fresher fighter even in the later rounds in round three. Jordan Wright versus Dusko Todorovic. I told you last week that 27 of their 29 fights had ended by finish entering this one, and I said to not blink during this fight. Then they grappled right away, super slowly. <laughs> Very strange, but still the fight carried a lot of tension because both fighters have submission skills on the ground as well. After a little bit of stalling on the ground, they both started flowing right away and it became really exciting. Jordan Wright landed some huge ground and pound while Todorovic went for knee bars and heel hooks. The fight became very exciting on the ground because they were grinding for submissions, landing powerful ground and pound. It was really quite thrilling. Jordan Wright flowed very well, maintained the attack throughout the position changes. Very exciting first round, but... We saw the end of that bell. Dusko Todorovic came out throwing constant combos and started ripping to the body to start round two. He came out determined to pour it on Jordan Wright. Wright looked gassed out after all the grappling in round one. As round two continued on, we really needed Todorovic to find this finish. These guys were getting gassed out, both trying to finish the other guy, and he eventually got the fight to the ground Todorovic got to full mount position and started launching ground and pound for the second round TKO. Jordan Wright had no energy left to defend himself, and it was a really a great stoppage by the referee here because he was just going to sit there and continue to take damage. Cub Swanson versus Jonathan Martinez. This is a fight that a lot of people were looking forward to entering this card. Cub was very light on the feet. This was an excellent fight. He had great in and out movement. Martinez had strong grappling. Very even fight to start this fight. Both fighters mixed in punches and strikes very well, attacking high, attacking low. They were both clearly in a flow state on the feet early in this one, and it was just great, pure entertainment. The first round ended with Martinez getting the nod, in my opinion, because they were fairly even with the striking, but the most influential shot, the biggest impact, was when Martinez landed a massive knee right to the head of Cub that dropped him. He also had a takedown in that round and some control time, so he did enough, I think, to clearly edge out round one. The second round started, and it was all Jonathan Martinez. He was not done with what he started in round one. These guys started striking, and Jonathan Martinez landed a nice 
left clinch elbow that dropped Cub, and then Martinez was on top for about three minutes of this round, working for submissions, working for ground and pound. Once back on the feet, Jonathan Martinez finished this fight with a super hard left kick that hit really loud into Cub Swanson's calf, and he just could not stand. It was an incredibly powerful calf kick that he threw, and it literally knocked Swanson to the ground for a TKO loss. Really, really impressive. Cub Swanson could not stand when he took that calf kick from Martinez. Very impressive win for Jonathan Martinez. That took us to our main event, Alexa Grasso versus Vivian Araujo. These women were lightning fast with their striking to start this fight. Crazy speed. Grasso was slightly sharper and more accurate on the feet, so I think she got round one. She almost had the round stolen by a late takedown by Vivian, who I thought really needed to use takedowns a lot in this fight. But Grasso popped up right away, and I don't think it really counted as a takedown because she was so quick to pop right back up off the ground. Grasso continued to be slick on the feet in round two. She was landing everything, her jab, her slip and rip counter shots. It was all fast, all very clean. But Vivianne got a takedown in round two, completed, and started to kind of flow on the top on the ground. Grasso did eventually explode up, expended a lot of energy to get up from the ground, and started getting back to work quickly with her striking. She did pour on a lot of shots at the end to try to make up the difference with the takedown. Very close second round, in my opinion, so I did give it to Araujo, but a lot of people did give that one to Grasso still, and I could absolutely see that. Round three was the closest round so far in this fight, with both women landing some clean shots, but I thought Araujo just barely won that round as well, with some nice shots landed very early in that round. The fourth round was also super close from a striking perspective, but I thought Grasso landed just a few more strikes with more combos thrown. A lot of Vivian Araujo's punches were one or two strikes, Grasso would line up three, four, five strike combos. I think she ended up just outpointing her just a little bit more. And the fifth round was much of the same. This was really an incredibly close fight, in my opinion. I gave Grasso the fifth. These fights are separated by just a few significant strikes per round for a very closely contested main event. Alexa Grasso earned her fourth win in a row, getting very close to a potential title shot. That's our rapid recap from last Saturday. Really a great night of fights. The card on paper didn't get that many people excited, but I thought that it really delivered quite well. Let's review how our bets did. As I alluded to in our intro, could not have been better as we were undefeated. We had a betting night that people dream about everybody it was so fantastic we were hitting everything we got to a point where i thought there's no chance i can keep this up there's no chance i could keep this going we found a way to get it done starting off with our ufc prelims mike jackson versus pete rodriguez we took under one and a half rounds minus 250 for the win tatsuro tyra versus cj vergara this is one i told you we were not going to bet on the podcast but we would have taken tatsuro tyra money line that ended up winning. Rodriguez versus Sam Hughes. Fight to go the distance was what I recommended to you, but we did not take ourselves. That one as well. Joe Anderson Brito versus Lucas Alexander. Joe Anderson Brito by finish was minus 162 for the win. And these last two that we did not bet, Nick Maximov versus Jacob Malkoon over one and a half rounds. And Mana Martinez versus Brandon Davis. Mana Martinez money line. Both also won, so clean sweep, everything right on the prelims. We either didn't bet those fights because I wasn't super confident in them, or the odds were just kind of outrageous, and I thought it was kind of silly to bet maybe a minus 400 or something like that without at least making it a two-unit bet, and I didn't love it enough to do so. So I told you, hey, this is what I think will win, but I'm not going to take it myself. Hopefully you did. For the UFC main card, Misha Serkinov versus Alonzo Menafield. We took fight to not go the distance as a going back for more two-unit bet minus 300 win. Rafael Asensio versus Victor Henry over one and a half rounds minus 265 for the win. Jordan Wright versus Dusko Todorovic under two and a half rounds was another going back for more two-unit bet win at minus 450. That was one I liked enough where at minus 450, I said, hey, I'll put two units on this. I know it's going to hit. 
and I'll take the not great odds, but hey, we earned out as much as we could. The Askar Askarov fight versus Brandon Royval, I forgot to mention to you earlier, this fight was a highly anticipated fight. It was the third to last fight on the card. It ended up getting canceled due to Askar Askarov being unable to make weight. Really kind of a letdown and kind of surprising. This was a big fight for both fighters. And not much has come out for why Askar Askarov was unable to make weight. So kind of an interesting situation here. But anyways, we continue on. Cub Swanson versus Jonathan Martinez. We had over one and a half rounds as a win at minus 275. And Alexa Grasso versus Vivian Araujo. Over three and a half rounds was a going back for more two-unit bet at minus 275 for another win. That's right. We went through the whole card. I did not give you one loss because for the UFC on this past Saturday, we were up 4.009 units. We went 7-0 and in the four fights that we did not bet. But I told you what I would have taken. We did predict correctly for the correct result. Had a chance at going 11-0. and are going back for more two-unit bets, also clean sweep three for three. We didn't bet those four prelim fights, but I told you how I was leaning. So, of course, they all hit, and I would have been perfect on the prelims had we been using our old, uh, just one episode prior and on, our old betting strategy of betting every fight. I finally told you guys we're not going to do that anymore. I'll bet most, but not all fights. If there's a reason I feel like I don't want to bet it or doesn't make a lot of sense, we're not going to. You know, we make that change for this Saturday. It was the only reason I didn't go 11-0, but hey, I'll take 7-0 any week. That takes us to our homestyle perfect plate parlay. Our original parlay had Askar Askarov in it, so we had to make a last-minute change. I hope you checked out the podcast social media pages Saturday morning because we released to you uh, the Jackson versus Rodriguez fight under two and a half rounds. The Asunsao versus Henry fight over one and a half rounds. And the Wright versus Todorovic fight under two and a half rounds for a minus 101 win. So we hit all of our straight lines. We hit our parlay. Like I said, one of the best gambling weekends I think I've ever had in the fight game. We will look to roll that forward to next weekend. That wraps up our bets. Let's take a look at Verdict and give out some podcast awards. Not a bad night on Verdict. We've had better. Um, Decent night, like I said. We picked a few winners incorrectly, which kept us from getting into the silver-gold status of uh, predictions here but we still ended up in the top 60 percent of predictions for a bronze medal like i said with my predictions on the prelims i pretty much had all of those 100 percent accurate go back and listen to the previous episode on the main card we hit a lot of our round and alternate lines but we didn't necessarily pick all the correct winners in those fights so we did end up with a bronze medal but we try to shoot for a medal every single fight night, so I'm more than happy with this. For the Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards, no early prelims, so we start off with the Mac and Cheese UFC prelims performance of the night. We're giving that to Joe Anderson Brito. Shout out to Pete Rodriguez for the first round knockout by knee to the head, but he was a huge favorite in that fight, and that outcome was expected. Brito was a favorite as well, but Brito beat Lucas Alexander, who was on a five-fight win streak with his last three wins by knockout. Our Chicken and Dumplings UFC main card performance of the night, that one's going to Jonathan Martinez. Another shout-out here for Alonzo Menefield. He had a very impressive first-round knockout, but Martinez had the TKO win with that low-leg calf kick, which is just something that is so rare to see. We have not seen a ton of those finishes across MMA. It sounded so painful, such a loud snap when he, he shot his leg across and hit Cub Swanson's calf. Really just a beautiful ending sequence, so he gets the nod for our award for Saturday. That wraps up our entire recap in its entirety of last Saturday, and it's time to talk about the incredibly highly anticipated UFC 280. Let's talk about the prelims. Man, 
man, this fight card cannot come fast enough. But these UFC prelims are starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday. We're over in Abu Dhabi for these fights. We have some different start times. Make sure you pay attention here. The fights are going to begin at 10 a.m. Eastern time here in the U.S. with Carol Rosa versus Lena Landsberg. These women are similar in size. Landsberg is on a two-fight losing streak, and Rosa lost her last fight as well. Lena has been in six straight decision fights and five straight decisions for Rosa. Grab this fight to go the distance if you can get that line. Lena has to keep this fight standing if she wants to win. She struggles big time on the ground, and Carol Rosa wins this fight. She's a higher volume striker, and she does mix in wrestling and groundwork just a little bit. Rosa also does struggle a bit with defensive wrestling. But I don't think she'll have to worry about that here. Look for Carol Rosa to put on the pressure with her volume striking and then take this fight to the ground. Mohamed Mokayev versus Malcolm Gordon. 8-0 Mokayev will look to keep the momentum going here, and I think he will. Averaging 11.27 takedowns per fight, he uses his wrestling cardio as a weapon against his opponents. Malcolm Gordon's on a two-fight win streak, and he does have some wrestling skills himself, but Makayev is in a league of his own in that category. We will learn a lot in this fight, however. Makayev has not really had a fighter take the wrestling to him, so we may see what his takedown defense looks like here. There's a small chance that their wrestling skills negate each other, and they stand and fight, which would be advantageous to Gordon, but ultimately I think we're going to watch 15 minutes of wrestling in this one and learn that Makayev is undoubtedly the best wrestler in the division. 21 of the 27 fights have ended by finish, and all of Malcolm Gordon's losses have ended by finish. So we will look for Mohamed Makayev to win by finish, probably late in this fight, maybe late round 2 or 3. Armin Petroisian versus AJ Dobson. Petroisian's 2 inches taller, but Dobson has a 5 inch reach advantage. Dobson earned a spot on the roster with a submission on Dana White's Contender Series, but then he lost his UFC debut. Petroisian also earned a spot on the roster in Dana White's Contender Series with a knockout. He won his debut, but then lost his last fight. He's a high-level striker with a 6-1 record by knockout, but he is a massive, huge hole in his wrestling. In his loss, he gave up 4 out of 5 takedowns for 10 minutes of control time. Not only could he not stop the takedowns, he then couldn't get back up once he was on the ground. He's excellent power on his feet, which usually forces opponents into wrestling. Dobson has power as well, though, scoring a knockdown on Dana White's contender series before getting the submission win. So Dobson has power in those hands. In his last loss, he also gave up a ton of takedowns and a ton of control time. Dobson will have the slight edge in wrestling, but these guys may end up standing and striking because neither fighter necessarily excels at wrestling. 12 of their 16 fights have ended by finish, so look for someone to end this fight. Petroisian has faced some tough UFC competition in his few fights so far, so I'm going to give him the slight advantage in this one due to the experience. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov versus Gadzi Omargadziev. Abu Bakr came over from the PFL to the UFC, where he lost his UFC debut, but won his last fight. Omar Gadziv earned a spot on the roster with a submission win on Dana White's Contender Series, but lost his UFC debut primarily by being controlled on the ground for over 10 minutes. That is bad news when facing Abu Bakr. I think Abu Bakr Nurmagomedov wins this fight with his wrestling and control on the ground. Omar Gadziv has never been finished as a pro, and I don't think that Abu Bakr Nurmagomedov is skilled enough to finish the fight. So look for this fight to go long, likely to a decision, and keep an eye on over one and a half rounds as well. Zubaira Takugov versus Lucas Almeida. Almeida is three inches taller, and he has the same advantage in reach. Almeida lost his Dana White's Contender Series appearance in 2021, but was given an opportunity in June of 2022 and won his UFC debut by third round knockout. That was a crazy fight as each fighter scored a knockdown before Almeida finished this fight on the ground. He doubled the significant striking volume of his opponent as well. He's finished all 14 of his wins with 9-0 by knockout and 5-0 by submission. 
Being new to the UFC, we don't know how well Almeida can defend takedowns, and that will determine the outcome of this fight. Zubaira averages 2.46 takedowns per fight. This is his first fight in over a year, and he won that last fight and is 2-1 in his last three. He uses his wrestling to get in tight with his striking, though, and in his last two fights that have gone a full three rounds, he's 3-14 for 14 in his takedown attempts. Since he sneakily mostly uses wrestling for his striking, I think this fight will stay upright, and I think Lucas Almeida will have the advantage there and get another win. Volkan Uzdemir versus Nikita Krylov. Krylov's one inches taller and with a two and a half inch reach advantage. Krylov ended his two-fight losing streak with a fast first-round knockout over Alexander the Great Gustafsson. Uzdemir ended his two-fight skid with a win in his last fight as well. They have a shared opponent loss recently against Magomed Ankalaev. Interestingly, Ankalaev beat Krylov with his wrestling, and he beat Uzdemir with his striking. That is just an interesting tidbit because in this fight, I think Uzdemir has the striking advantage and Krylov has the ground advantage. Vulcan Uzdemir struggles on his back, and I think Nikita Krylov knows that he has to get some takedowns in this fight to win. Uzdemir has a ton of power with his stand-up striking. Nikita Krylov will need to time his takedowns appropriately, or he will get caught with a big hit. Look for Krylov to get this fight to the ground quickly, because Uzdemir is 1-2 by submission, and Krylov is 15-6 by submission. Because of that, I don't think Krylov has to be concerned with any submissions coming his way from Uzdemir when they do hit the mats, and he can be very aggressive going for submissions himself. Krylov has finished 26 of his 28 wins as well, and I think he gets it done here likely by submission. Mahmoud Muradov versus Chao Baralho. Muradov is 4 inches taller, but these are very different fighting styles in this one. Muradov is a powerful striker with 17-1 by knockout and 3-4 by submission records, while Bahalio has never been finished as a pro, and he averages 2.63 takedowns per fight. Muradov lost his last fight by submission, which ended his three-fight UFC win streak. Bahalio is undefeated in his last 12 appearances, including two on Dana White's Contender Series and two in the UFC. In his last two UFC fights, he's 5 for 6 on takedowns, with a staggering 20 minutes of control time out of 30 total fight minutes. Unless Muradov lands a powerful shot on the feet, Bahalio grapples his way to another win here. All four of Muradov's UFC appearances have gone to at least a minute 49 into the second round, so keep an eye on over 1.5 rounds in this one as well. That takes us to... Probably one of the best prelim fights you're going to see from the UFC this year with Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. I got my eye on this one for a potential fight of the night. Even with how stacked the UFC pay-per-view is, this is going to be an insane fight because of their fight styles. They're very similar in how they fight, and they're both exceptionally well-rounded MMA fighters. Now let's talk rankings real quick with these guys. The reason I say this is such an incredible prelim fight to get is because Bilal Muhammad is the number 5 ranked welterweight in the world right now, and Sean Brady is number 8. So these guys are at the top of the division and trying to win their way into a title shot. They're about the same size, so no advantages there. And here's some fun facts with these fighters. Muhammad averages 4.31 significant strikes landed per minute, with 2.29 takedowns averaged per fight. Like I said, similar fighters. Sean Brady averages 3.91 significant strikes landed per minute, and 3.22 takedowns per fight. Very close numbers with these fighters. They both mix in wrestling and striking very efficiently. Muhammad is undefeated in his last 8 UFC appearances, and Sean Brady right now is sporting a perfect 15-0 pro record with five of those wins coming in the UFC. This fight, one thing I know for sure is that it's going to go a full three rounds. Out of their total pro combined fights, 23 of their 39 have gone the distance. Since these are such even fighters, I would take this fight to go the distance to be safe as opposed to trying to pick a winner. 
Bilal Muhammad has faced stronger UFC competition, and this is just a big step up in competition for Sean Brady. The winner will be on the shortlist for a title shot soon. Because they are so talented, each of them at wrestling, I do think that there's a chance they could negate each other. Bilal Muhammad once stopped 20 of 21 takedown attempts from Damian Maya back in 2021. Bilal's gas tank is also quite incredible, but on the other side of the octagon, Sean Brady manhandled jiu-jitsu specialist Michael Chiesa in his last fight to the tune of 5 for 8 takedowns and over 7.5 minutes of control time. All that's to say, I give the slight edge to Sean Brady in wrestling and jiu-jitsu, and Bilal Muhammad the advantage on the feet. I think Bilal will stuff a ton of takedowns in this fight, but Sean Brady, he might finish two or three of them. And then if I were to have to pick four on the feet, I think Bilal will win most of those exchanges. This will be a razor-close fight. It's going to kind of depend, in my opinion, on how well Sean Brady can get the takedowns and keep Bilal Muhammad there, because it's very tough to do while defending Bilal Muhammad's takedowns and having to deal with Bilal's striking. This is going to be an exceptional fight. It's going to be very interesting to watch because the winner is probably on the shortlist, like I said, for a welterweight title shot. Look at over one and a half rounds of fight to go the distance because I think it's a little bit easier than trying to find a winner between these two exceptional fighters. That takes us to the UFC main card. Wow. Stacked prelim. It's going to be phenomenal. Remember, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let's take a look at the UFC main card. The UFC 280 main card is just stacked top to bottom. I'm going to give you the rankings of this fight, these fighters as we go along. Every single fight to me is a must watch. We start off with number one ranked Caitlin Chukagian versus number six ranked Manion Fioro in the women's flyweight division. Chukagian's two inches taller, she's a three inch reach advantage, and she's on a four fight win streak all by decision, and actually 17 of her total 22 fights have gone to decisions. Manion Fioro is nine and one with her only loss coming in her professional MMA debut. And she's undefeated 4-0 in the UFC. Her last two fights have gone to a decision, but she is 6-0 by knockout. This is just going to be an incredible fight because it's a boxing-style striker with Caitlin Chugagian versus a karate-style striker, Manon Fioro. Fioro can mix in wrestling when needed, but expect her to do so if she starts to fall behind on the feet to challenge Chukagian's ground game. Both of these fighters are very high-volume strikers as well. I'm a huge fan of Chukagian because she has only ever lost to the most elite competition, but I think we're going to learn that Manion Fioro falls into that category. I think Fioro and Chukagian will be about even in their striking, but Fioro will grab a few late-round takedowns to get a decision win. Again, is very tough to put away, so I think that this one will definitely go over one and a half rounds and probably go the distance. Next up is number six ranked Benil Dariush versus number nine ranked Mateus Gamrot in the lightweight division. This fight is going to be all action. Another fight with similar stylistic fighters who are very well rounded in MMA. Dariush averages 3.8 significant strikes landed per minute and 2.11 takedowns on average while Gamrot averages 3.54 significant strikes landed per minute and 4.83 takedowns. Dariush is bringing his 8-fight win streak into this one, and Gamrot is on a 4-fight win streak with an impressive 21-1 professional MMA record. Expect a ton of wrestling in this fight. Both guys will go for takedowns. Both guys move very well on the ground. They're very comfortable on the ground. And as I've said before, Wrestling and ground game eats up time. I expect this fight to go over one and a half rounds and possibly the distance as well. I think Dariush will be the sharper striker on the feet, which will push Gamrot into his wrestling. And as wrestlers, these fighters have very large gas tanks, and I expect this fight to be very high-paced since it is only three rounds. 
Daryush was preparing to fight Islam Makachev earlier in the year prior to his injury and withdraw from that fight, so he's been training and ready for a wrestling-heavy attack for essentially the entire year. I think Benil Daryush is going to land more strikes on the feet and hold his own with the wrestling and ground game to get a win against the very talented Mateus Gamrot. Next up, and I mean, all these fights are incredible, guys. We have the number one ranked uh, Piotr Jan versus number 11 ranked Sean O'Malley in the bantamweight division. This is the biggest wild card fight on the night. It really doesn't make sense from a matchmaking standpoint, other than trying to make O'Malley a superstar if he wins, and by putting him into a favorable stylistic matchup, and if he loses, I don't think it'll really impact the love of his fans that much since he is supposed to lose. That makes him a dangerous fighter. He's an excellent long-range striker, and he has a 4-inch height and 5-inch reach advantages in this one. Piotr Jan is a former bantamweight champion in the UFC, however, and lost the belt in his last fight. This is a fascinating fight. Piotr Jan should win. He has excellent striking defense, and he unloads a tremendous amount of calf kicks. Sean O'Malley has shown a deficiency in defending calf kicks in his game, but he's a high-volume striker with excellent kicks and punches of his own, plus serious knockout power. Jan has been in five-round championship fights for each of his last five fights, and he is now fighting back at three rounds. He could really put on a tremendous striking pace, knowing that he has two less rounds to work with. Sean O'Malley is a sharp counter-striker, and he will have to use his long-range kicks and jabs to score at distance. And then when Piotr Jan closes that distance, starts working in tight, he has to use that excellent counter-punching that he has when Piotr Jan has moved forward. I don't like this fight from a prediction standpoint, but I love watching it as a fan. Jan should win. But O'Malley's size and long-range attack could be a problem, and it's making me hard for me to count him out. We will have to get creative in this fight because I could see either fighter winning. O'Malley has a ton of value if you want him to pull off the incredible win, but I'm also going to peak at over one and a half rounds, or maybe even fight to not go the distance. I could even see that going either way. I do think a finish could come late and maybe around two or three for either fighter. If I had to pick a winner, I am leaning Piotr Jan by decision right now, with his leg kicks making the biggest difference in this fight. That takes us to our co-main and main events. We're going to break those two down separately because we are talking about championship belts. So the UFC 280 co-main and main events, these are going to be so exciting. Must-watch fights. Just the hype behind them, the trash talk, the build-up, the storylines. These fights are going to be excellent. And it starts us off with the bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling versus number two ranked TJ Dillashaw. Our first championship fight of the night for this bantamweight division. Champion Aljamain Sterling is defending his title against TJ Dillashaw, who's attempting to regain the title that he held back in 2018. Dillashaw is a very complete fighter. He uses a wrestling-heavy attack mixed in well with his striking. He throws a tremendous amount of low leg kicks. In his last fight, he landed 41 leg kicks and went for 19 takedowns. But he did only complete two, however. Even still, he got eight and a half minutes of control time with those takedowns. Sterling's on a seven fight win streak and is one of the best jujitsu fighters in the bantamweight division. In his last fight, he also had eight and a half minutes of control time on only two takedowns but he attempted 22. So the styles in this fight are interesting because it may not be to the advantage of Dillashaw to take down Sterling. Sterling is extremely talented with jiu-jitsu, comfortable fighting off his back, and he would happily fight this out on the ground. I think Dillashaw will be sharper on the feet, so he may go for takedowns just to score points, but then pop right back up or maybe go for the takedowns at the very end of rounds. That way... There might not be as much time for Aljamain Sterling to work for a submission. 
I think these fighters are going to use their excellent conditioning to create a fast and exciting fight, but these guys will have nothing left in the tank by rounds four and five. I think this fight will go over two and a half rounds, but I think Sterling could end this fight if he gets the back of Dillashaw, particularly late, or Dillashaw could stun Sterling on the feet with his striking, which could lead to a finish. Don't blink in this one because I think it will be all action right away. These guys don't like each other, so I think they're really going to attack right away in round one. Really get after it for those first three rounds and create a war of attrition late in this fight. I'm leaning TJ Dillashaw winning this fight because I don't think that Aljo can keep up with his striking output. And they may be a stalemate with their wrestling because they both are so skilled in that area of mixed martial arts. That takes us to our UFC 280 main event. The number one ranked former lightweight champion Charles Oliveira versus number four ranked Islam Makachev. These guys are fighting out in their highly anticipated fight for the lightweight title. It's the best jujitsu practitioner versus the best wrestler in the lightweight division. Charles is the former lightweight champion but didn't have a chance to retain his belt with a weight miss in his last fight. Charles Oliveira is on an 11-fight win streak and has faced some of the best competition in the division lately. Makachev is the protege of Khabib Nurmagomedov, and he's on a 10-fight win streak. This is a big step up in competition for Islam Makachev, but him and his camp, they're incredibly confident heading into this fight. Besides his only loss in 2015 and one round of the fight after that, Makachev hasn't even lost a round since. He's been extremely dominant since 2015, and I'm telling you, this fight will not go the distance. I believe that this fight will end in under three and a half rounds as well. Makachev is 10-0 by submission, but Charles Oliveira is simply the definition of elite on the ground at 21-3 by submission. I think they're both going to be Fairly even on the feet with a slight power advantage to Charles Oliveira, but Makachev has the wrestling advantage and he will get some takedowns in this fight. Funny enough though, that is what will put everyone on the edge of their seats. Because Oliveira will happily fight on the ground. He's the number one ranked lightweight in division right now, and his last three wins are against the number three, the number two, and the number five ranked lightweights. If Charles Oliveira beats Islam Makachev, then he will have beaten everyone in the top five in the division and it would cap off his historic run that started in 2018. Like I said, this is a big step up in competition for Islam Makachev. His only wins against currently ranked lightweights are against the number 10 ranked and the number 14 ranked lightweights. I think Makachev will be the champion one day, but Saturday will not be this day. I think Oliveira will get the win, either by knockout on the feet or submission on the ground. I think he can do it within the first three and a half rounds if he wants to win. And I think he has to do it within the first three and a half rounds because I think rounds four and five will go to Makachev if they happen because of the intensity of his wrestling pressure. It will wear down Charles Oliveira late in this fight and wear down on the gas tank. Don't blink on this fight as well. And don't be disappointed. When this fight inevitably hits the ground because both men are very exciting in that area of MMA. It will not be boring when these guys hit the ground. I think Charles Oliveira wins this fight and they make a movie, honestly, about this run that he is on once he is retired. Going from almost being booted out of the UFC to a UFC champion, a weight miss loses his belt, and now he's battling back for that belt again. The champion has a name. And his name is Charles Dubronx Oliveira. This pay-per-view main card is incredible. I could see the blue corner or the red corner fighters winning in every single fight. Incredible card top to bottom. This pay-per-view card has been built up for a few weeks now. And I don't see how it cannot live up to the hype. This is much CTV for fight fans. And I can't wait to sit back and enjoy. One thing I'm hoping we also enjoy are our bets this weekend. We were perfect last weekend, and I am hoping beyond hope we can roll that into this upcoming weekend for UFC 280. Let's go ahead and take a look at our bets.
All right, everybody, let's go ahead and take a look at those bets for this upcoming Saturday. I gave you guys the breakdowns for these fights, but from a betting standpoint, we're taking a lot of different round totals, over-unders, fight to start a third round or a second round, for example, because there are so many excellent fights on this Saturday. I just want to sit back and enjoy the fights. I told you guys in my analysis whether I thought a fighter A or fighter B would get the win. But there are so many close fights. There's some wacky odds where there's some larger favorites than I would expect, larger odds than I would expect. So we may or may not have touched it. But let's go ahead. We'll dive into the bets. Like I said but last episode, make sure you're listening for our going back for more bets. Those are two unit bets. I will let you know if we are not taking a bet. So we start off the prelims with Carol Rosa versus Lena Landsberg. We're going to take a look at fight to go the distance. Most likely, I do think Carol Rosa gets the win straight up. But we are going to look at fight to go the distance. That's not yet available right now. Mohamed Makayev versus Malcolm Gordon. I like Mohamed Makayev by finish. I think the finish will likely come late, so over one and a half rounds potentially. There are no alternate lines available yet for that fight as well, but that is what we are currently leaning, and we will be making a bet. Both of those first two fights, we will be taking a bet. They are homestyle gravy bets. I just don't know what we're taking yet because the odds are not out. Armin Petroizin versus AJ Dobson. Another homestyle gravy bet fight to not go the distance. It's also not quite available just yet, but now we have some bets that are available. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov versus Gadzi Omargadziev. Fight to start round three is a homestyle gravy bet at minus 250. Zubaira Tukugov versus Lucas Almeida. I am leaning Lucas Almeida, not super confident though, so we're not going to bet it. Vulcan Uzdemir versus Nikita Krylov. I do think Nikita Krylov gets the win here. I think he gets it done potentially by finish, and if he loses, I think he gets finished. So fight to not go the distance would be another thing that I would take a look at if I were you. We are not going to take a bet on this fight for the podcast. Mahmoud Muradov versus Chao Bahalio. Over one and a half rounds is a homestyle gravy bet and a going back for more two-unit bet at minus 235. We end our prelims with Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. I really like over one and a half rounds. I kind of like fight to go the distance. So here's the deal, guys. We are not going to bet this fight because over one and a half rounds is a huge favorite right now at over uh, minus 500, which is really what I prefer here. I could see a late finish. So we're not going to bet it as a podcast. We're going to sit back and enjoy this excellent fight. That takes us to our UFC main card pay-per-view. I promised you guys in the last episode when we made some changes to the betting segment is that I would bet on every main card fight. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not a little bit worried about some of these. We start off with Caitlin Chukagian versus Mannion Fioro. We are taking fight to go the distance at minus 305. I feel good about that one. That's a homestyle gravy bet. All of these are homestyle gravy bets. Benil Dariush versus Mateusz Gamrot. Over one and a half rounds is also going to be a going back for more two-unit bet at minus 375. Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley fight to start round three at minus 295. That's a pretty big number. Ideally, I'd like to sit back and just enjoy that fight as a fan and see how it could unfold. So we're going to take it as a podcast because I promised you we would take every main card fight. That is what I like the most in this one. I think Sean O'Malley could get the win. I think Piotr Jan should get the win. But hey, anything can happen on fight night. That takes us to our first title fight, Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. We're taking over three and a half rounds at minus 250. I could see this one going a full five rounds or potentially ending in the fifth round. Once these guys start to get tired, I could see Dillashaw catching Aljamain with a tough hit late, getting a ground and pound finish possibly, or Aljamain Sterling getting that submission late in this fight. For our final fight of the night, the lightweight championship, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. We're doing it again, folks. I want two bets on this fight. This fight is so incredible. It's so exciting. I can't just make one bet on this fight. Under three and a half rounds at minus 225 is my favorite bet for this fight. It is the home style gravy bet. 
I love that bet for this fight. I think one of these two guys, there's a lot of bad blood. They both want a finish, so I think it will happen in under three and a half rounds. I love the number for Charles Oliveira straight up. At plus 140, the guy who has been the lightweight champion for several fights now, he had his his title stripped because of a weight miss, but still won that fight. I mean, this guy is a warrior. He's going for an attempt to beat every other fighter in the top five. As an underdog, we cannot leave that number out there, so we are going to be sprinkling a unit on Charles Oliveira Moneyline plus 140 as well as simply just a line that's too juicy to leave on the plate. That takes us to our Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay. This I will give you right now. I made sure all of these were available. Mahmoud Muradov versus Chao Bahalio over one and a half rounds. Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady over one and a half rounds. And Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw over two and a half rounds will actually get you plus money to plus 116. So we're going to go ahead and take that. I know this doesn't sound great, guys. We're taking a lot of overs on the rounds. We want to see finishes. I don't necessarily think the finishes won't come. I think they might just come late in some fights. But I do think they will go long. We have a lot of wrestlers on this fight card. I think there's going to be a lot of action on the ground. And that can run the clock. So that's not to say the finish can't come at any moment. So definitely sit on the edge of your seats. This is going to be an excellent, exciting night. I am absolutely thrilled to watch this fight. It's a day card for us on the East Coast. Remember the early start time, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. This is must-watch television if you are a fight fan. These are excellent fights. Please make sure that you are tuning in. But let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast. That will wrap up today's episode. As always, please remember to bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard predictions prior to the events on social media for the podcast, as well as those couple of alternate lines that we're waiting on for gambling as well. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out the homestylemmapodcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast. We're going to keep growing on social media, guys. We had a great weekend last weekend going undefeated in our bets. Also, an excellent lineup of fights. It ended up being very exciting for a card that I think a lot of us were maybe willing to miss last weekend, but it ended up being a great one. It's why you can never miss out on these fights, everybody. This weekend's pay-per-view card is going to be incredible. I don't see any way that it can't, even if one or two fights does not live up to expectations. If the other ones do, that will already make it one of the best cards of the year. So make sure you check out this pay-per-view this weekend. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Next week, we'll do a rapid recap from this pay-per-view card and preview UFC Fight Night Cater vs. Allen. Till next time, this was Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Y'all have a good one.